You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, welcome to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. Today, I am excited to introduce, uh, we're going to be interviewing Jay Kinder. You know, I know he wears a ton of hats, uh, kind of how I would have known him was from his days coaching with Kinder Reese. Uh, He's been doing it for as long as I've been in the business, which has only been since 2013, but I'm super excited to to talk to Jay today. I don't know a ton about him. Uh, we had the opportunity, or I had the opportunity to meet him down in Phoenix at one of the EXP events. And he, uh, he got up and spoke. And the one thing that I just kind of remember, I guess, and this is one, the one thing that a lot of people from that event are talking about is on the first day, I think it was the first day he was the, uh, he was the wrap up or the keynote speaker for the first day. And he, all of a sudden this dude's walking up on stage in no shoes, bare feet, board shorts. Like he just came from the pool and uh, at the JW Marriott, the pool was pretty sweet. So I could understand. And that's how, you know, he introduced it. And then the one thing that you stood, that, that stood out and I, I think I've got the quote, right. Is like, you know, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I'm just ignorance on fire. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, at that moment, I'm like, Hey, I can do this. So anyways, welcome Jay. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yep. That's uh, that's definitely me. Uh, the only other quote I think I have uh, ever been quoted for is uh, I'm not the smartest kid in class, but I always sit next to him. So okay. <laughs> it goes right along with that. Yeah. So yeah. we talked before we jumped on, but as always, whenever we have somebody on, we ask the question, you know, because we are the, the podcast is called success without sacrifice. Uh, our audience knows that we all know that there's going to be sacrifice when it comes to success, but we don't want to sacrifice the things that we love the most. And so when you hear that success without sacrifice, kind of where does your head go with that? Yeah. So it was, uh, it threw me for a loop and, and it's funny I say loop actually, cause, uh, there's a, you know, I live in Puerto Rico and in this neighborhood that I live in, there's called the Rockefeller loop and so it's a five mile loop. And so, you know, I, I, I usually walk it every single day and before the podcast, the last time uh, that we were going to record and obviously we had internet was down here <laughs> and I couldn't do it, but I was like, man, success without sacrifice. I'm like, gosh, dang, what does that mean to me? I'm like, God, dang, I've sacrificed a lot, <laughs> you know, over the years. And, and, uh, and I, I was like, man, you know, I'm not sure if I can do this podcast. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm not sure if they're going to like my answer because like, shit, I had to sacrifice this morning. I had to sacrifice the warmth of my bed. I had to sacrifice. There was a lot of sacrifice and everything I've ever done. There's a lot of sacrifice. And I think you have to embrace it. Um, you have to embrace the fact you're going to have to sacrifice some things to have what you want to get to where you want to go and to, to accomplish your goals. And one of the things I always say is embrace the struggle. Right. Like if, if you're not struggling, then you're not growing. Right. Like the hardest things in life you, you're not good at at first. You know, it's going to be hard. And so you kind of you have to embrace that. And um, I wouldn't have ever been as successful as I've been if I hadn't sacrificed and given, you know, given up certain things. And, and there's no it's not easy to have like this work life balance 
that everybody talks about, you know, you know, you, you can ask my kids, you can ask my wife, you can ask everybody. There's a lot of sacrifice that, that has, you know, everyone has sacrificed, not just me. They've had to sacrifice. Everybody's had to sacrifice in order for us to, to, you know, to accomplish the goals that we have now, I'm not saying you have to sacrifice everything, but definitely for me, you know, there's things you have to give up if you want to be successful and, and, and that's okay. You just have to be okay with that. Yeah. Well, the, the one thing yeah. I hear in that is you've got some clarity on what you're willing to sacrifice. Right. And so when, you know, when you know that you're sacrificing, it's just a matter of being clear on that. And right. it sounds like right. you've probably uh, wrestled with some of those oh, yeah. ideas along the way. Yeah. There's, there, there's some things that are non-negotiables, right? Like you have to, you have to determine what your non-negotiables are, but uh, any, anything else you might have to sacrifice, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love it when you say that. I, I like the fact that you said that we might not like your your answer to it, but I actually love your answer to it, right? The whole reason why we started this podcast is because it's a paradox, right? It's like, okay, I don't want to I don't want to give up the things that I love, but I am going to have to in order to get where I want. Right. And so the thing that really I've seen that's come out of a lot of these uh, interviews that we've done, which is exactly what you just said, is you have to you have to have non-negotiables or you have to begin with the end in mind is what most people say. And so I guess my question would be because I, I did a little research on you and I like uh, I wasn't at the event in Scottsdale, but I, I love the fact that, you know, you came up on stage barefoot and all that. So it's like you've gotten to a place where you can basically do what you want to do and you sacrifice those things. But you had to have a thought process out in order to get there. Yeah. So I guess my question is like. How did you get to that point? Has it always been like that for you or have you learned it along the way or what, where are you kind of at with that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know it's, you know, 20, I've been in the you know, real estate industry 24 years. So, um, man, it's been a journey, right? Like looking back and, uh, and it's funny cause I, I got, I had a buddy from high school that's here visiting here in Puerto Rico right now. And, and, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, a lot of things, you know, he's got a big business, been very successful and, and, you know, just talking and thinking about, you know, the, the journey, you know, to get to where you're at. And it's really, it's really all about like, you know, you know, who you become, right? It's, it's, it's not, it's, you know, there, the, you know, the only thing that matters is, are you getting better, right? Like, and the things that you have to learn along the way. So like looking back, it's like, shoot, you know, I wish I'd, you know, been able to interpret some of the things my dad said when I was younger and like actually internalize and get it but I had to go through these experiences, you know, in life in order to get to where I'm at. And so after you know, 24 years in the business, you know, um, I haven't sold real estate since 2011, but you know, then we had a coaching company, you know, built that up to like 10 million a year, grinded it for a long time. And I just have a lot of life lessons, I think. And so, you know, my, you know, get on stage, you know, barefoot was really more about, obviously I'm pretty comfortable in order to do that, but uh, you know, it, it was a pattern interrupt, right? Like, like, Hey, listen, you know, you know, when you, somebody gets up there on bare, everybody else has got, you know, you know, dressed up this, that, and the other, and somebody gets up there barefooted, you know, in board shorts, it's like, the hell is that? And you know, that's kind of the point, you know, I learned it from a, a guy a long time ago, that, and he was speaking barefoot on stage, his name's Frank Kern, one of my, um, yeah. one of my mini mentors, and, uh, and uh, Frank's a good friend of mine, and, and when I watched him, I was like, well, who in the hell is this guy? And I listened, and, you know, that was kind of the intention, was like, hey, pay attention here the opportunity of a lifetime is in front of you. And, uh, and it's like nothing you've ever seen, nothing I've ever seen. And, and, you know, it could change your life. So hopefully, you know, you're listening, but it was a lifestyle. And you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people have benefited tremendously from the XP business model. And, 
I was just wanting to get everybody's attention so so they can at least hear the message. Yeah. So so okay. So now I got a question because you 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 threw Frank Kern out there, right? And so right. we've done an episode here where it says, you know, are you you're the average of the five people you know you hang around with or something like that. So if you're in this space and you you're kind of in the sales space, you you probably know who Frank Kern is. I guess my question is you know, to get to where you're at. So for instance, like the journey from the beginning to the end, did you start out, you know, running around with heavy hitters or did you, did you grow into that? Or did you, you wanted to be around mentors that did that? What's kind of your journey to get from the beginning to like where you are now? Yeah. So, yeah, I, like I said, man, I'm not the smartest kid in class. I always sit next to him. Like that was early on. I figured out, <clears throat> well, hell, if somebody else could do it, I could probably do it. And so, and I don't really know where that drive came from, but I was just dumb enough to believe, well, hell, if they could do it, I could probably figure it out, right? And so um, always had coaches paid, you know, in order to, to make a lot of money, you got to pay people a lot of money. That's just the philosophy I have. And so I paid a lot of people a lot of money uh, over the years. There's not anybody in the real estate space that, um, that I didn't give my money to. I paid, I sat down, I took notes, and, and I learned early on a, a lesson that was really valuable for me because I wasn't a, I would say I wasn't a, Jay Abraham was one of my biggest mentors. And I, we, me and Mike Reese, my business partner, we used to always joke around and say, copycatter number one is copycatter number two. Over here, me? Like, we had something good that we were going to copy. Like, hey, we're going to take that and use it. And uh, Jay Abraham used to get real pissed off. He really was. He was mad about it. He was like, stop calling it copycatting. You're modeling success. That's the principle. I'm like, all right, copycatter number one is copycatter. <laughs> it was just us. It was funny. But, you know, that's, you know, that's all. That's really, I mean, you know, there's, I don't think we had one general, you know, one genuine idea that was ever ours, right? We, we always learned from those that came before us. And, um, and yeah, the mentors, I mean, I, you, know, J, you know, Jay Abraham, we probably paid that guy $200,000 in over time as a mentor. It was probably one, one of the most expensive for sure. We had a guy we paid, his name was Harold Ware. Nobody knows who he is, but we called him HOA, Harold's old ass. He was, uh, he was probably the smartest guy I've ever met. And uh, we paid him forty five hundred a month, both of us, me and Mike, both uh, to, you know, as a coach. And we 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 learned this from him. But uh, you know, I gave him a book called uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits one night. Went went to pick him up at the hotel the next day. He had um, he gave me the book back. I was like, "What? You don't want to read it?" He's like, "No, look at it." So I opened it. He had not only read the whole book, but he colored it up and had you know little 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 highlights like triangles and different things for different meanings and things. He was given things in the book read the whole book, he vacuumed it up, just vacuumed it all up. And I was like, this dude is a freak of nature. Like he really was brilliant, but we vacuum up everything we can find. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever knowledge we can get, we vacuum it up, take it, you know, adapt, adopt, apply, and, you know, take it for ourselves. And that's, you know, that's been the secret, right? Like, you know, Dan Kennedy has been someone we've paid a lot of money for his advice. Uh, Clay Mask is the CEO of Infusionsoft. Uh, now it's called Keep. Um, we were in their mastermind for years and years. Um, we were in Dan Kennedy's mastermind and Bill Glazer. Uh, so, so we've been around, you know, just getting in the room, you know, with, with, you know, everybody says you want to be the dumbest guy in the room. And we did a really good job of that. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we got in a lot of rooms that were a lot of people that were above us or sometimes below us, but uh, you know, you, it allows you to see around the corner when you have, you know, Hey, Oh, that's not our problem today, but, but that's coming. You know, that's the problem they're dealing with. And so we, we, you know, we learned from, from, uh, from that. That's been, there's no doubt. I don't know how else you would do it. I mean, I really don't. I don't know how else you would, you know, find success at a real high level without being around people that have been there before. 
And, um, and you know, I, I don't know how else we do it. That's just for us. It's like, who's, who is it that we need to be around? Who do we need to pay? Who's the best at solving the problem we have today? And, and how much do we have to pay? I mean, let's just pay them, right? So, you know, Frank Kern, Dan Kennedy, Jay Abraham, these were all industry, you know, outside of the real estate industry. And that's where we learned the most was from things that weren't within our own industry. You know, I, I got pieces from within the industry, but like, if you think about it, like, you know, Craig Parker's teaching, teaching direct response and Buffini's teaching referrals and Ferry's teaching prospecting. Those are all pillars of your business, but nobody was teaching the business. You know, what are all the ways to grow the business? And yeah, that, that was where we really, I think, grew the most was when we got outside of our own industry and, and um, around other people in other industries and, you know, things are completely different. And you're like, holy cow, that whole business is built off of, you know, this, you know, one pillar, you know, there's, there's companies today that still run newspaper ads and that's a hundred percent of how they generate leads. You know, there's, you know, you, you just learn so much from all these other industries and you just try to adapt, adopt and apply those back to what you're trying to do. And that's where you have those breakthroughs that a lot of times other, other you know, people don't see coming. That's awesome. Hey, I, I want to back up a little bit and just run us. I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but run us through kind of like how you got into real estate, what kind of you know, what did your individual business look like, yeah. your team? And then how did you get into coaching? And then maybe what you did with your team while you were doing the coaching? Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I got into real estate uh, when I was 19 years old. Um, my dad had bought a Coldwell Banker, right? Like just he, he had a property management company, then he bought a Coldwell Banker. So he really was in the sales side of it. So I don't really know that much about the commission side of it and, and all that. But uh, at 19, I was mowing yards for him. And uh, I saw this little guy that, he come in and get his check the same day as me and I was mowing yards and I got like a $400 check and, and uh, he was got a check for like five grand. I was like, what the hell did he do today? He, I mean, he don't even look like he broke a sweat. And so, so uh, that's when I decided, I was like, well, shoot, if he can do that, you know, all he can do is sell one house a month. I'd be happy with that. So that's when I got into real estate and, you know, like everybody else, I struggled, right? Like the first year, I did okay. I sold 22 houses, but if like the first three months, I didn't sell anything. I was like, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, all my, my sphere of influence was, you know, still doing cake stands in college, you know, so I didn't have anybody, you know, any, any real buddy to turn to for the business. And so I tried everything, man. I did anything and everything. And, and I went to a couple of different events and, you know, learned a couple of tricks and, uh, you know, FISBO expired. It was like, I remember the first time I heard about a FISBO, I was like, you mean to tell me these people put a sign in their yard and, and or you know and nobody's calling them like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> so i was like so i went after you know i like i said ignorance on fire i was like well hell i'll call all those and so um you know you know, went after it and you know yeah. accidentally you know you get your first one you're like oh hey well this might work you know and but yeah eventually you know i figured it out paid enough people to you know start building a business and i think my my best year was probably, you know, within four or five years, I was you know, number one agent in the state, number two in the world for Coal Banker, selling 500 plus homes a year in a little town of Lawton, Oklahoma. And, uh, and the, the funniest part of that story is like, well, yeah, you were probably like the only agent. Well, no, I actually never was even number one in my own market. Uh, there was a Remax team that was always selling a little bit more than me, you know, a lot more than me, actually. They were selling about 700 homes a year when I was selling 500 homes a year. So I'm like, I'm com- I had to compete with one of the toughest competitors you could probably ever compete with. And uh, really, really made me, me work on my skills, specifically, you know, your people skills and sales skills really had to hone them in because, I mean, I was competing against, you know, Goliath every day. And I mean, literally every day, I, I went on a listing appointment, almost certainly I was competing against them for that listing. And so I had to learn how to 
really get better at building rapport and and the sales skills process right and so after i reflected on that years you know years later as i reflected on it and tried to teach it it's one thing to just do it and you know you kind of unconsciously do what you do but then we had to break that down so in 2006 i was so frustrated with how hard it was to get to as successful as i was and a buddy of mine mike reese which is how it became kinder reese you know he he, he you know we ran into each other on lake lake texoma is the story and i was um uh, I was on a pretty good sized boat. And he's like, I mean, I know that guy. He's like, that's Jay Kinder. And we, we knew, barely knew each other from, uh, from Lawton or whatever. And uh, he, you know, he asked me about a zillion questions that day. And, and he literally quit his job working at Bally's and got into real estate. Well, I didn't know what I'd done to be successful. Like, he's like, you know, like, you know, you see that, you know, this is what's the path to success, right? It goes all over. You know, and that's, that's the path to success. I'm like, Shit, I don't know what I did to be successful, but he, he was very specific. He's like, well, I'm here. I'm, I'm getting started. What should I do right now? I was like, well, you need to get this website. And so like, even before he had his license, he was generating leads the same way I was. Right. And so like, it was a long way that I came to get to that website and a lot of people and a lot of events and this and that and the other before I found this one website that was generating all these leads. And so he, he started right out of the gate with, you know, the right tools and really the, you know, the doing the right things in the right order didn't make all the mistakes that I made, didn't have to do all the things that I did that didn't work and all that. And so within his, um, by his second year, I think his third year in the business, he'd already done a million in GCI. And so that was like, we are like, hey, a couple of knuckleheads like us could do it. Probably anybody could do it, right? And so we're like, why isn't nobody teaching people this stuff, right? And so that's when we started the coaching company. And um, yeah, we coached a lot of people to, to really high levels of success. And um, we did that up until, we're still, we're still in the company, still do it today. Um, we just do it kind of more in alignment with the XP and the business model. But uh, yeah, we did that for up until 2016, 17. We, we started a company together in 2016, partnering with agents around the country, doing pretty much, we just kept moving further along in the value chain. Like we would do, you know, more done for you stuff, right? It's like, it's one thing to say, hey, you need this listing presentation. It's another thing to say, hey, here, here's your, here, everything's done for you here. Just take this and swipe and deploy so we just kept getting better at making it easier to implement. I think that's what a lot of agents struggled with was implementation. So we just gave them the tools, created the tools and the training and the things that they needed and uh, moved further along the value chain. Eventually we partnered with them instead of, and th this was a lesson in business models, you know, and not to get deep, deep, deep into the, into the, into the details of it. But like we were understanding, like when I would sell 50 houses a month, the reason I didn't like the, the, the selling real estate business model was the next one I had to sell, I had to do it again. It just kept, you know, start over every month. And, and it was, it was very monotonous and uh, not a lot of leverage, uh, even as I built a team and, and uh, you know, stepped out of production, which took me a lot of effort to step out of production and accurate, you know, be able to step out and actually be profitable. And so, you know, and, and coaching was great to a certain point, but the business model, you know, it was residual income. It was, it was, residual income is better than, you know, commission sales. But, you know, at a certain point, you have a churn rate of, you know, your churn rate, meaning, you know, you lose 25 agents, you have to sell 25 agents just to stay where you're at. So that, that part of the business model that wasn't make sense. And then like, all right, well, we want to get into the technology because we had helped, you know, Commissions Inc., uh, Tiger Leads, all those, all those, we were, we were, we were 35% of Commissions Inc.'s business. They came to us with 30 days left of cash before they were going to go out of business. And we, we sold a bunch of their, their, 
you know, their uh, tools at, at, at our event. We sold like 77 for them. And like, uh, so like a lot of people want to hitch their wagon up to a good coaching company because a good coaching company creates a good customer. And a yeah. good customer buys a product and doesn't cancel. And if you don't cancel in technology, that means your multiple is going to be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. And so we watched them make a lot of money. We're like, hey, we, you know, we might ought to get a piece of that next time. So we negotiated that with Commissions Inc. And so we owned a little bit of that company. And uh, got paid got paid a little bit on the exit, and so we started moving in that direction because we were just looking for like, hey, what's the what's the best model, right? And and the truth the truth was, for us was you know you know the reason we joined the XP was because you know I did the math, you know I got you know I didn't I went and you know talked to Steve Murray at Real Trends and you know, he does all these valuations on companies and it was pretty clear one and a half to three times EBITDA, so we can build a you know build a company as big as we want to build it probably going to sell for one and a half to three times, you know, your profits. And they're going to ask you to stay on for two years. And there's going to be a clawback if, any, if there's any attrition of agents. And so they're basically buying you with your own money if you're being honest, right? And so what we thought was the 10-year vision, you know, you know, when we really compared it to the opportunity DXP world, we had to be honest with ourselves. Like if, you, if, if we let our ego get in the way, which is real easy to do, because it's real easy to be like, well, shoot. I could do that, right? Like that's that's how I, you know that's kind of how I got to being successful in the first place. Is like, well, shoot, I can do what you can do, um, but you know, I put you know I had to put my ego aside and say I could do it. But is that smart? <laughs> is that what you really want to do, or do you want you know if if you could leverage a platform to accomplish your vision, you know why wouldn't you do that, right? And so you start really thinking about it, it's like this is a better business model. Do I want to be the guy that has to build it? No. That's not what I want. That's not, not, I'd love to just take advantage of someone else who built it and, uh, and be able to leverage, you know, have some leverage and, uh, you know, not know what my next 10 years are going to look like as opposed to if you're building it yourself, it's a lot different. So, you know, I had to accept the fact that I wasn't giving up my vision. I was, you know, aligning my vision, you know, with a better vehicle to get me there. And that was a, that was a big deal for me. I think it is for a lot of people that they're, they think that they're giving something up to join EXP, you know, and it's not the case, you know, you're, that's definitely not the case, but that's, you know, your ego will tell you different. Man, you said so much stuff there. I didn't want to stop you, but yeah. man, there's so many things there. I just wanted to stop and just ask you questions on. Yeah, man. Um, number one, I guess would be because we have, there are a lot of agents that listen to our podcast. And so I like what the, the journey you just went on. I like that because everybody usually gets into real estate because they they want to be free essentially is what it is. And then you get in just like you said, and it's like, Oh wait, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And then you get a transaction and it's like, Oh, I got however many under contract, but as soon as one closes, you're right back at square one. Right. Right. And then it's like, okay, well I'm usually the progression is like, well, I'm going to build a team. And then from what I hear from you is like, well, even if you build a team, if I have a team member leave, now I got to replace that team member. So essentially, you're still doing the same job with a little bit more leverage, right? And so right. I guess my question would be, can you just give a little bit of advice to even like any agent that might be listening to this, like for one, how to leverage time and all that. And then I think you kind of gave the reason why you you know, you moved over to EXP. We're not selling EXP on this podcast, but it just only makes sense if you look at it, right? right, right so right. <laughs> I guess that would be my my question to you yeah. is like, what is your advice to someone who's, you know, basically, because you're still on the hamster wheel, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, you know, I think that, you know, the, I think the hardest thing is, is, is you know, the, like you kind of started with this earlier, but it's like the five closest people you spend time with, you know, I'll show your future, that whole thing. And, you know, the cool thing about EXP is, 
is, um, you know, I, I, here's how I look at it. You know, as a, as a coaching company, you know, we would coach you and then we would, you know, it wouldn't be long and we would be like, hey, and now you need to buy this tool and it's going to be about 1500 bucks a month. That's what most of the tools that, you know, that uh, technology tools that you need would cost back in the day. They're a lot less now. But, you know, and, and at eXp, you're going to get, you're going to get the tools, right? So, like, no matter if you're, if, if you're not highly, if you're highly successful, you know, do the math. You know, it's simple, real simple. If you're already doing... 30 transactions a year. If you're not EXP, you just haven't done the math and you, you your ego's in the way if you're not EXP because you would be getting paid to be here. Right? So like, that's a real simple understanding. Like either you just don't understand the business model um, or you haven't looked at it in detail. So do your research, take the time and do it. You owe it to yourself, you do it, right? Like, and those people should all be EXP. If you're, if you're hungry and you're not where you want to be in, in terms of your success, you know, my advice would, you know, what I, you know, all I could do, all I can tell you is the things that I did that I know works. And that was to get around the people that were highly successful. What EXP has done is brilliant. You know, they've created a business model that have the best of the best in the industry, um, sharing their best ideas and best strategies and helping you, helping you become successful. They have a vested interest in your success. And that's, that's a, there's nobody where you're at today that wakes up thinking about how to help you become more successful and in, in the company you're at, there's just not. And so, and and the people that are the most successful is you, you start to look around and it wasn't this case in the beginning but it sure is today the most successful people in real estate are all at exp well i hmm, wonder why that is you know and they're they're also the ones that are doing the trainings and doing the teaching and and sharing and giving and that didn't happen you know and the brick and mortar model it just didn't happen you know the best i, I can promise you you, could, you might think the best agent in your office is helping you but i guarantee you they're not sharing their best ideas with you why because you're in their marketplace, you're a competitor, and uh, you're competing with the agents in your office, and that's just the that's just the reality. It's what it is. Like I never would have. I, I was a pretty abundant person, but I didn't share my best stuff with everybody in my office. I shared some things, but I didn't share everything. Like, On most of these brokerages, and most of these brokerages, you're actually competing against your broker. Yeah, they're yeah, still out yeah. selling. Are they yeah, on the team? Right. Yep. Hundred yep. percent. Yep. So yeah, there's there's nobody that really is there to to you know that you can count on. So you, you really have to get outside of your office and go to events and or pay. And, and at least historically, that's what you had to do. You had to go get in the room with other people from other markets to learn. Like, well, shoot, nobody in my market's doing that, or nobody in my office is doing those things, and that's that's part of it. Or you could join EXP. I mean, there's a, there's a difference. It's a, you know that, that I found that that environment is is here for everyone to benefit from. And why? We all have all stock and ownership in the company. Why? Because you know we're all earning massive amount of revenue share from helping agents become more successful. It th those are those are things that create a culture of abundance and attracts abundant type personalities as well, right? I don't think. In, you know, nobody's joining EXP that's not an abundant mindset. Well, why is that? Because, you know, we've all struggled to, you know, to get to success at one level or another. And now we're, getting, we're able to give back. So that's a, a stage that everybody gets to, I think, in life where um, it becomes more important what, what you're able to contribute back than, than it does to sell another home or to make another dollar. That's where you, you become, you know, your, your contribution matters more than anything. And so those are the type of people that you surround yourself with. And, you know, ESP is just full of, you know, great people like that. Well, I said that the, uh, you know, you're talking about like going to events and getting around the people. I mean, that's kind of where this came from. Jacoby and I met through a coaching program, you know, that we were, he's from Midland, Texas. I'm from Detroit and we're meeting out in LA paying a coach a ton of money. And uh, that's kind of where this relationship got established. And, you know, there's, there's, 
countless stories like that. Yep. I used to have, I don't have them out anymore since I moved here. I, I didn't keep them out, but I used to have a stack of room keys. It was like, it was about this tall, you know, that, that you know, when, I, when, when you asked that question, that, you know, sacrifice, I was like, well, I don't know. I sacrificed quite a bit, you know, like a lot of days away from, you know, the family and, and, and learning and growing. And I'm fortunate, you know, my wife is, you know, one of my biggest things is like, just, you know, support me, whatever it takes for us to be successful and me to provide for us. And she always has. And I think, I think she probably likes it when I'm gone most of the time anyway, but you know, you know, having that support system and having an, you know, I think one of the, one of the probably the best principles I've ever learned in relationships and, and work and everything, hiring people, leadership is having agreements, not expectations. Right. So like we all have expectations and, you know, uh, you know, that doesn't get us very far. A lot of times having, having agreements, with people is, is, um, in clarity, like you started the podcast with, you know, clarity about what, what those agreements are uh, is a big piece. So, um, definitely has been fortunate to, to be able to travel and get around the right kind of people. I still think that's important today, even though at EXP, it happens kind of naturally just with our environment being online a lot easier, but, um, you know, I think the, the, the act of getting out of your element and going somewhere and investing in that, is, is a big piece of uh, finding success. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you say your wife probably likes it better when you're gone. I, I know you're, you're saying that tongue in cheek, but talk a little bit about that because that's a struggle. Some people have, it's like, I'm going out and doing these things, but I'm away from my family, but I'm building something. Can you talk just a little bit about how you have worked through that? Is it, you know, do you work because you know, I'm providing this for my family or whatever else? because I think that's a big hang up for folks, like a block, you know? And so can you yeah. just walk through kind of how you sure, yeah. process that and all that? Yeah. So I, I think, uh, you know, again, you know, as you know, somebody gave me the manual when I started, you know, you know, when I was 19, 20 years old, they just gave you the manual. It'd been great. You know, Hey, here's life. Here's how you do it. But nobody did. So, you know, the, you know, I got into real estate and I worked really hard and, and, and you know, I remember, I remember, and this is part of what, like part of what my, you know, struggles were and like some of the things that like really drove me to like want to coach and help others. Right. It was like, man, does everybody have to do it this way? Cause this shit was hard. Right. Like there was times that I missed games with my kids and this that, and the other, but you know, no different than, you know, the definition you gave before you got on here about, you know, the podcast and you know, the name of the podcast success without sacrifice. Like I, I started to say, I'm not doing that this ever again. Like that's not negotiable. Right. Like I started to create those things over, over, you know, the course of 25 years. And, you know, so when I got into, you know, the coaching business, I said, if I, you know, I'm out of production, you know, I'm, I'm still learning and growing. I'm still going to go to events and, and those things. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to invest in myself. That's going to be something I'm never going to sacrifice. And that might mean I'm going to have to be away for three days or five days or whatever from time to time. But like, you know, when I'm working, when I'm home, I'm, I'm home at five o'clock. Like I made that, I built that into my business. That, that meant I got up at 4 a.m. every day for you know a decade plus, but I I was in control of uh, I was in control of it. And once I you know once you decide <laughs> you're in control of it, um, and you 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 create your own schedule. And even in real estate, I did it to a degree. Well, before I stepped out of, out of out of real estate, it was it was um, you know I'm not going to show buyers. I remember one time I left a, a birthday party. I left a birthday party to go show a house. I'm like that that should never happen. Right. Like, what was that? Why did I do that? Well, why did I do it? it was because I didn't have a buyer brokerage agreement. I, we didn't have an agreement that they were going to buy a house for me. So I was afraid I might lose them if I didn't go show this house. 
And and so like those those little things like uh, there's uh, there's never a time I'm ever going to show a buyer again without a buyer brokerage agreement. I I had finally got to a point where I had those agreements with myself and like. If, if, if they would if they would tell me they were going to buy from someone else, I would have never showed them a house in the first place. Why wouldn't I at, at least, you know, let them know, hey, here's the value that I bring to the table and, have you know, and have an agreement with what I'm getting paid, not whatever just is in the MLS. Like those things, you know, putting those things in place, you know, then I was in control. And it's like, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I have appointments. Uh, sorry, I've been booked this weekend. Um, I'm booked up solid. I can't do this weekend. Can, can we do it Monday? And it's amazing how many people will be like, yeah, we can do it Monday. Like, it's not, you know, they, you, you think that they have to do it right then. But it, when you, when you say, hey, I got, I'm booked with appointments, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, like I'm doing time with my family, whatever that, you know, and again, I think, you know, the more in demand you are, you know, the harder it is to get you, the more valuable you are perceived. Right. And so, you know, that, those were big life lessons along the way, but I mean, I had to screw it up a lot, right. Along the way. And so, you know, that was, um, it was big for me. Um, but you know, once, once you create those agreements with, all right, this is how I'm doing it. Uh, this is what I want it to be. And you just know when you're, when you're, you're, you're struggling or you're, you're, you're having to give those things up. Like you got to revisit those agreements. Like this is, I want to be home at five o'clock. If I'm not going to be home at five o'clock, it better damn sure be worth it. And what I learned was like a lot of times, this was a huge gift for me. I had a mentor that said, um, it was, it was Clay Mask. And actually it was, it was one of the guys that one of the, one of his, his, you know, they were a billion dollar company. So like we watched them from really small to like build it to a billion. So we got to see a really cool, really cool growth, tremendous growth of a company pretty irregular. Like every three months we were like, hey, what new problems they were having. And as they were growing, but he said, he said, be, play, be players are the people you spend time with instead of your family. And I was like, boom, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, the person that I'm staying late for sometimes and trying to help that's not listening. They're like, they only grow when I'm growing them and they don't grow afterwards. Meaning if I say, hey, you know, I spent an hour with you to help you and then you don't go read the book I tell you to read and then you, you don't level up to here. And the next time I see you, you're only where I left you, right? Like you're still right here. Those people were the ones I was pouring into a lot of times, and they were good people. They were, but they were B players, not C, not D, not obvious F fire people. They were B players, and I was like, damn! Like some of the people that I want so bad for them to be successful, that I'll spend so much time with them, away from family, do whatever I can to help them, are not the people that that I need to be spending time with because they only grow when I'm growing them, and there's no leverage in that. You have to have A players, and I was like, dang that's such like such a big deal. Like, and it, it sucks because you really, you, you want success for those people worse than they do. You know, you can help them, but you don't have enough time. You can't, you can't drag them, you know, to success. You, you know, they have to do the work in between the whistles. And uh, that was a big gift for me. Go back to that. Say that again, B players. What was the, what was that quote? Yeah. A, a players, um, a players get the job done 90% of the time. B players are who you spend time with instead of your family. Instead of your family. Yeah. And so some of those times when I would sacrifice, you know, I had these agreements that I, you know, I get home at eight o'clock because I was, you know, I was working with somebody and then I realized like that person is exactly where I left them last time, you know, like, you know, right where we left off the conversation, they hadn't gotten any further. That was a, it was a really big get for me. Uh, it was hard too. That was a sting, you know, man. Uh, yeah, it was a sting because, you know, you're like, dang. My, you know, because they look like an A player, you know, you think they might, you know, you think they're an A player until you really think about it. Like, and why am I spending so much time with this person? Well, they ain't read a single book I gave them. They ain't done, they ain't done anything. They're, they're right where I left them every time. And like 
all they got to do is read the same book I read. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't have any additional knowledge that, that they need to hear it from me. They just need to move in that direction themselves. And so uh, that was a, was a big, big lesson for me. One of the themes that keeps kind of popping up in and out of uh, all the things I hear you saying is you've kind of got this desire to help people and kind of goes back when you had your team and then your coaching business and what do I have to do? Kind of speak into that, like maybe where that came from or what's the driving force uh, behind that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I think I hope, you know, you know, I hope that everybody kind of has that in them, right? Like, you know, the want to help others or whatever. And, and I think we all kind of all evolved to get to that point, especially as you, you know, you struggle yourself and you, you know, you can help people, yeah. you know, but uh, Jay Abraham, um, was really where that came from. And uh, he's, he's probably, you know, he's one of the guys I always say, he's like, he's the guy we probably paid the most money to, but I would probably got the most from that guy. And he has a philosophy, it's called the strategy of preeminence. And it's, it's just you know, being of the most value that you can possibly be to everyone you come in contact with in every possible way, which is, is just kind of a deep thought, you know what I mean? But for me, it was like, I don't know, it resonated with me. I was like, oh, that's really, that's really pretty fascinating. And, um, and because he does that, he lives that, right? So like he did it for us, like, you know, this guy's worth a lot of money, but he spent time with us that he normally probably wouldn't have spent with us, but he, he would always tell us, you know, he would always tell everybody because he's like, you know, we get on a, you know, we have, you know, we bought his coaching or whatever. We get on a coaching call. I'm like, it's like, all right, if you have a question, press one. We're like, beep. like we're the first one. Uh, we had a question every day. And then, then we would go do whatever he tell us to do. Then we'd go do it. And we come back like, beep. we're, uh, we got another question. We did what you said to do last week. And now we got this problem. Now what do we do now? All right. Like, and he's like, he really liked that. And he's like, I really, you know, he really enjoys seeing people take action on the advice. Like it's not fun to just be a, figurehead talking about things. It's really that you like to see people move through the process and, and, and get those gains and, and whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. And so he took to us, but um, because of that, because we took, took massive action on the advice he gave us, but you know, his, his philosophy of, of the strategy of preeminence, I, I remember going back to my real estate business and it's like, it wasn't just add massive value to my clients, which we, we did, it's like also my vendors, like the people that, you know, like if you're my lender, like, yeah, you, you, you had to pay to be a part of the program, you know, you, um, but like, it's my responsibility to make sure I'm getting any loans. Like I have to make, I'm, I'm helping you get fed. I'm helping you know, all my agents on my team. I had to under, learn and understand their goals, what they were trying to accomplish. They weren't just somebody that was le- giving me leverage and giving me my time back. Like they were my responsibility and, you know, add value. So like one of our core values has always been and always will be add value to people's lives. And that's it. And so like, this just a philosophy that we adopted. And once, you know, once I, once I adapted it and, and was living it, I was just happier, right? Like it just felt good. I knew everything I was doing was for good. And like, there's never a time I felt bad. You know, there's never been a dollar I've earned that I felt bad about. I know I'm trying to add value to people's lives as ma- massively as I possibly can. And part of the reason we moved DXP was because, the ability, in fact, uh, the vision, you know, we had, you know, we had 50 plus employees. It was not an easy transition to move to XP. It, it was not easy at all. Multiple business units doing 10 million in revenue. Like, yeah, not easy, right? We had to, you know, when, you know, I'm every day, you know, vision, here's our vision. We're going to 2000 partners by December 24th, 2020, uh, December 27th, 2024. That was the vision. It was like an eight year vision that we had laid out in, uh, I think 2014 or 15 and, um, maybe 16. Yeah, 16, because we started the brokers in 16. So we had this vision of 2,000 partners, right? Like, and we're charging in this direction. 
And then we had to kind of pivot, you know, to, all right, we're aligning this with the XP and, you know, all that had to happen to do that. But it was because we saw the ability to have a greater impact on more people's lives at EXP. That was, you know, that was, that was the, that was the filter that we ran decisions through. If this had been something different and it, and wouldn't have given, you know, it could have been anything else, like live opportunities come your way, you know, and you're like, all right, let's run this through the, the core values filter, right? And, and, and the vision filter, is this in alignment with what we want to do or is this a distraction? And it was, it was in alignment and we saw the ability to impact more people's lives. And the facts are we have 6,500 agents that, that are in our group that we are impacting or we have the ability to impact their lives. And, um, you know, our vision was 2000. So, you know, we look pretty, you know, we, we might've looked like we were crazy when we started, you know, but now we look like we're pretty smart. You know, this was a much better opportunity for us. It was a much bigger vision to be able to accomplish. And we did it in way less time because of EXP's business model. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope everybody has, you know, you hope us, you know, human beings all have that love coming from a place of love and wanting to add value to people's lives. But it just, it resonated. It came from Jay Abraham. That's where it came from for me. Well, that's awesome. And how you kind of broke that down. The other thing that kind of comes out of it, or at least that I saw was, you know, oh, he says something, beep, you know, you got a question, I'm answering the question, what am I going to do, run with it. When you are operating that way, and then uh, in that copycat mentality, there's probably quite a few things that you uh, kind of get your head in the wrong direction, that kind of that squirrel mentality, like, uh-huh. you know, then, you know, distracted by the next thing. I'd love to hear you talk about how you handle distractions in your life and where, yeah. you know, because when you're operating like that, there's a million things we can do. There's a million different tools and things we can try as an agent. But how do you handle the distraction part of that? Yeah, so we, we were we were fortunate to. Um, I mentioned a book. I mentioned the you know mastering the Rockefeller habits, and I, I saw the head nod. Like, oh yeah, Vern Harnish, you know, scaling up. A lot of people read that book. It's it was a it was a really. I mean. I don't know how the hell we got to the point we did before we read that book, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, you know, we, we made decisions and, and moved in a direction. And, and a lot of times we moved in the wrong direction. And then we're like, Oh, yeah, I gotta, you know, that's not it. I go back this way. And, and that costs you a lot of time, right? Like, you know, you're, you're moving in the wrong direction or, or I, I hear agents to do this all the time. Like the first hire they make is like about three buyer agents or something. Right. Like, I mean, it's the, that's the worst thing you could do. It's because it just added, you know, all of these new positions in the org chart for you to do. Now you're a trainer, a hire, you know, you know, they'll hire an agent. They, do you have a hiring process? No. Do you have, do you have an onboarding process? No. Do you have an ongoing training process for those agents and success plan? No. Well, then what the hell are you doing to hire buyers agents, right? Like that's a huge distraction. And then you're giving them half of the commission and you, you, and then because you want them to be successful, you give them deals that you would have done where you would make a hundred percent of the commission. Like it's just a bad decision. Right. And so like, it's not the, it's about doing the right things in the right order. Right. Like that's, that, that's it. It's not, it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just the, not the right thing in the right order. It's not the right next step. And I think that's the hardest thing about real estate is there's so many things you could do. There are so many things you can do, like it, you know, the the good mentorship and good leadership and, and a good process for how you process and make decisions is going to keep you making better decisions. Not always the right one, because you, you'll make mistakes and you'll be like, well, what the? But as long as you revisit, be like, well, why did we end up here when we said we wanted to be here? And you know, you're like, okay, well, I, we said we were going to do this. This was the priority, and then like. 
for us, it was like we had eight priorities. <laughs> we, we were like, we, and, and again, this is all a framework, right? It's a framework of decision-making in the business. And part of it's running it through your core values. Like, is this in alignment with who we are? Like who we are, like what matters to us? Is this, is it in alignment with the values of who we are? And then, and you know, a lot of people probably don't have core values, you know, laid out for not only you should have them for your family and for your, and for your business, like taking the time, like what really matters to you and, um, and getting clear, clarity on that. And they, and they evolved over time. Like they changed. They weren't always like rock solid. This, Hey, this will do this. And they're like, no, no, this really matters. Get shit done. Like, I don't want to work with, that was a core value is our, of ours at NAEA for the longest time. And, and, you know, I don't want to work with people that don't get shit done. Like, I don't want to hear your excuses and your friend of mine has a, m- a much, um, much more straightforward way of saying is, is F your excuses. FYE, I don't want to hear. I, and, and if you ever work with someone who makes excuses, like, and it just drives like the hair on your neck stands up when they make an excuse and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't work with that person. Like, heck no, that's a value of ours, right? So like, is this in alignment with like those types of things? And are these the kind of people that I want to work with? And, you know, you make hiring and firing decisions based on your values, but you make your, your next move decisions based on your values and your vision of where you want to be getting clarity and this is a big thing. Y'all said it early. So I know you guys are smart. Um, so I love doing podcasts with people because like you guys get this and you're trying to get this message out to people. Like having clarity on what the hell it is you really want it to look like in the future, like getting seeing that what it is. Right. Like you don't get that time with your family unless you see that first. You don't get that, you know, the the lifestyle that you want unless you see it first. And you've got to get clear on that. And then it's just reverse engineering. All right, now what are the moves I'm gonna make to get there? And that's, you know, that framework. And again, I, you know, I got it from Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, Scaling Up, it's Vern Harnish's book. But we, we just learned how to, how to evaluate where we're at. You know, and then, all right, what are all the things we could do next? And then, and then you know, through a process of evaluating what's, you know, what's the, the best next move? Like, if we do all these things, what's going to get us cl- the closest to that vision? What's next, right? And then, evaluating all those things and then picking the one thing, not eight, you know, we started with eight. like, Oh shit, we didn't get, we got number seven done. Um, we, we got number three halfway done. Um, we didn't do anything with number two. Um, like, so you're, and you reevaluate, you're like, what the hell happened? Like we had too many fucking priorities. That's what happened. And so you, you just learn, you know, and you do it. If you, you stay with that process and just try to you know, learn it and be open-minded, especially, you know, you got to, you know, you got to, you always with your team, you have to, you know, you have to celebrate the victories. I sucked at that because I just wanted to go back to like, how the hell do we, lessons learned, everybody get in the room, lessons learned. What did we do wrong here? Right. Why did it not work? Why did we not do what we said we were going to do 90 days ago? And, you know, and you, you figured out, you're like, well, oh, it was me. I, I, I put more shit on your plate that wasn't priority. My, that's on me. I can get better. And it's like you just learn and, and hopefully your team learns with you and, and you don't make the same mistakes as often. And eventually you just get better and better and better. And ultimately that looks like it just looks like this with hitting your goals. You're eventually going to get better at choosing what you do and what steps you take and what the best next opportunity was and saying no to the things that are a distraction. You're just going to get better at it because you're going to see that well, that didn't get us. We want to get here. We didn't get there. Why? OK, well, this is why we chose a, something that wasn't in alignment. But it, that, that process, it's a process, right? And like, I'm not a process guy at all. Like I, I'm the, you know, I'm the, I am the mess, you know, the, the mess that you, you know, you probably don't want, you know, to have as an employee with ideas, you know, and things that you know, all these things you want to do. But like, I just got tired of not getting my, hitting my goals. Like, well, if I'm not getting there, I got to do something different. Right. And so 
I learned how to, you know, follow a process. Like, well, this gets me there. I hate it. Don't like it. <laughs> it's not how. It's not how I'm naturally wired. But if I just do that, I can get my goals. Okay, I'll do that. You know, that's it. Man, <laughs> got a lot of, I got a lot of light bulbs yeah. going off yeah. on this, and I'm like, we got them going. I'm so glad. Uh, this is what I yeah, love about. Yeah, you'll pull my cord. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> this is what I love about uh, doing these interviews. Is like, man, you just get so many different things out of it. And uh, you are like a really, you know, you're a really, really deep person, and I think you really get things get things done. I, I would be if you just looked at you on the surface, like you know, you don't get to your level of success without you know doing the things you've done, but. Uh, I like uh, it's just funny because I like the what you put what you put off, but there's like there's so much there, you know what I mean? And so I feel like kindred spirits because I tell people I'm not smart. People think I'm smart, and I'm like I just don't like to bump my head multiple times. Like I just yeah. figure out what works and I just do it. If that's yeah. smart, then I guess I'm smart, you know? Right. And so, right. man, so just awesome stuff, man. But uh, I guess the last thing, kind of to to kind of close this thing up, is. Uh, is there anything you'd just like to get out to folks that maybe we didn't talk about or anything? And then lastly, uh, where can people find you uh, if they want to, you know, connect with you and all that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, no, you know, no matter what, um, you know, I don't know the whole, the whole audience, you know, the, who's listening or whatever, but I know, I know this about you if you're listening to this is, um, you know, you're on the right track, right? Like, um, you, you know, you got to absorb it all. You got to, you got to plug in and, and continuously learn and grow as a person and, and, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now, then that's the kind of person you are, you know, nobody, nobody's got to this part of the episode of this, of this podcast that isn't trying to do the same things we've all tried to do in our lives. And so you're plugging into the right place for sure. And so congratulations for that. You're, you're going to get there. So that, that, that'd be the last thing I'd want to say, share with people. And as far as finding me, I'm pretty easy to find, uh, you know, I'm on the gram, uh, Instagram, uh, you just, you know, Google my, you know, put my name in there. It'll probably show up. Jake Kinder pretty easy to find, but, uh, yeah, love to connect and, and, uh, always help, happy to help anybody that's struggling, growing, wants to you know, learn more. I probably got a book I could share with you that'll solve just about any problem you have. Um, and there's, it seems like somebody writes a book about every problem. And, uh, if you're hungry enough and looking and you ask the right people, you'll find, you know, the answer to whatever the next biggest problem you have. So, um, just keep, keep asking questions and, and looking for, you know, looking for the answers and you'll find them. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.